Legal disclaimer. Stamp show here today. Its affiliates and organizations are not responsible for any maiming, dismemberment, or physical injury from listening to this podcast. It is suggested that all listeners wear proper head protection and fasten all seatbelts. Discontinue use of rash develops. Ask your physician if Stamp Show Here Today is right for you. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 401, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for more information on joining. This is Lord Cash. This is His Illustrious Highness, Mark. This is Sir Jim. This is Dame Dawn. And uh, interesting, uh, the Scottish titles is making their rounds again on uh, YouTube, so I'm starting to see more of those. Remember, you do not have to purchase a piece of land in Scotland. You can join the Stamp Show Here Today community and call yourself a lord or lady. Um, Also, I heard that you can put it on, like, checks and stuff like airplane tickets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have a ball. Just tell them, Stamp Show Here Today said it was okay. Yeah. (laughs) So when you go to the passport office, say, <laughs> Cash told me. <laughs> when they're carting you out, when TSA is carting you out. Right. <laughs> yeah. But they said on the step show, I can <laughs> do that. Well, today we're going to discuss a little bit of um, eBay fees because I went below standard again. And I'll give you a little bit of a story and tell you why this is important. And there is... What I have seen, a change in their policy since November, when is the last time I went on uh, below standard, and anybody who is listening to that podcast know that I was really super pissed by it. This one here, I'm really super pissed by, too. Language. Yeah, really. This is a family show. Yeah. So, um, you go below standard if you have, for several reasons, but the one that really crops up for me is... If you have defects in your material, they go over 2% that eBay refunds. So if you refund it, it doesn't count as a strike. If eBay refunds it, it counts as a strike. And 2% of your uh, lots is, you know, 1 out of 50. Well, what happened is last month, I had uh, one order get lost. I was out or something but I didn't get the email to say refund this otherwise in like I said in November now I just refund things immediately because the cost of not doing it is so high well I had nine items that they refunded instead of me so I got nine strikes and it's like not a problem that's less than two percent well I sell cheap Philippines items yeah cheap by low catalog value and there was one souvenir sheet that I guess hit the philatelic presses or had a story about it or something. And all of a sudden, th- several people bought it and I ran out of them. And so I refunded three people. I said, sorry, not here. I'm out of stock. Here's your money back. 
Well, eBay wasn't involved in that. I mean, eBay was, but, you know, they didn't refund them. I did. Well, those three things that I refunded for being out of stock counted as strikes. And it put me from nine strikes to 12 strikes. And that put me over the 2%. And now I have to pay instead a 12.35% commission, which uh, commission on stamps is 12.35% plus 30 cents. Now I have to pay 17.35%. That extra 5% commission that they charge because I'm below standard cost me about 150 bucks a month. Well, here's the kicker that everybody should be aware of. First of all, if you refund, it counts as a strike. So, I don't, I, doing it over again, what I would do is I would discount their postage. You know, I owe them $3. I'd reduce their postage by $3 and say here, and that doesn't count as a strike. Or I would mark it as shipped. And when the person gets it and they go, Cash, uh, I'm missing this souvenir sheet, I'd go, oh, sorry, here's a refund for it. That doesn't count as a strike. But me saying, oops, my inventory is off, here's a refund, that does count as a strike. So that sucks. The second thing, which I don't know when this occurred, it wasn't the case in November, but it is the case now. They go back and look at your points over three months. So I have now, instead of one month of 5% commission, I have three months of 5% commission. That's going to, this is going to cost me $450 over these three months. So if you sell on eBay, be aware that this is what's going on. I don't know when they announced it. I mean, you get tons of emails from eBay. I'm sure that somewhere they sent me a notice saying we're going to look at three months instead of one month. But doing a refund for... Uh, and the other thing is I hit 2.27%. So I was just slightly above 2%. And it just slaughtered me. So uh, how, how are you doing? Have you ever been below uh, standard, Mark? Yeah, I think I was below standard one time on another account, not my stamp account. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a big hit. Yeah. 5% more commission. And they send it, you, they send you an email saying, oh, you're below standard, you know, work hard. eBay is here to help, stuff like right, that. Yeah. They never mention, oh, by the way, we're going to charge you another 5% commission. It's <laughs> always, oh, we're here to help and everything. Never mention the 5%. If you go below standard, you're going to get hit with 5% additional commission. So, uh, that's a thing. <laughs> uh, what other eBay stories? Have you got any, seen anything on eBay lately? I think sales are down a little bit, but it goes up and down and bounces around. 
Yeah, eBay typically, uh, in, in the past, it's always tracked with the stock market. The stock market was having a bad day or a bad week. Sales would be down. But these days, I, I think it's it's a little bit different because of the uh, inflation and the and the state of the economy and the and the state of of, of people's um, uh, you know attitude. You know, it's just you know there's there's a there's an extra little pinch of hopelessness. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting for me because I don't think that people have really recognized the fact that we have inflation yet. In the 1970s, everybody went crazy when we had 6% inflation. We have like 8 to 10% inflation today. All you have to do is go to a grocery store. That will tell you. Yeah. But it's just... People are not reacting today like they did in the past. And it's interesting to see whether it's just a lag or whether we are truly in a different sort of market. And, you know, with the uh, you know, with social media and so forth, uh, a reaction, uh, you know, can be, uh, you know, can be bad for you. You know, if you if you, you know, make a rant on social media, you know, there's a good possibility you could be affected by your, you know, in your job or, you know, uh, if you. Have customers that they're that your customers will be bad at you, and you know, it's yeah. I don't think anybody's pissed at me for eBay for anything that I've said, although they have you know, like I said, I'm in the middle, so I piss off both sides, right? <laughs> if you're pro Trump or anti Trump, you're angry at me. <laughs> well, I think inflation goes beyond the politicians that are there because that's something that, um, you, you. Presidents tend to get blamed for the economic situation, not necessarily of their making. Oh, that's always Absolutely. the case. And that's so, always the case. Yeah. Presidents have virtually no impact on the economics. Right. And the, the, the other thing that I, when you're talking about um, in 1970s when people were upset with 6% inflation, most of the adults living at that time had either lived through or were part of the World War II generation and had either lived through depressions and gone through that or whatever. And so that would have been a really big issue for them. Nowadays, I'm not so sure with government bailouts and all the things, there's a whole generation of people that think the government's going to take care of them. You know, the government check still keeps coming, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I think that... And I think it's just an attitude of of the country is different. It's a different makeup. And it's a different uh, social situation that isn't causing as much alarm in the general population. That may well be the case. I, I suspect that in the long term, uh, you know, there's going to be high inflation. People are going to flood into the commodities markets like stamp co- stamps and coins mm-hmm. and stuff. I just expected it to be faster. Yeah. Well, and like Don said, you know, you, you feel it when you go to the grocery store. The gas pump. Yeah. Things that we buy every day, we can see it. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, we don't buy a house every day. We don't buy a car every day. So you, so you don't quite see it in those big ticket items. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, it has a big impact on attitudes in the country. I'm not sure it translates into blaming somebody because you're going to blame who you're going to blame for something like that when, like I said, it's not pig oil, 
<laughs> no, it's not. It's not the president. I blame it's, sunspots. Yeah, it's it's none of those things. It's things that are way out of control. We can't control ourselves. Kind of frustrating. Well, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, like the old saying goes, you know, you go broke slowly and then quickly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an economist there. So, uh, Mark, you have the most interesting uh, thing that crossed your desk. Let's whip this horse one more time. <laughs> sure. Oh yes, I had a, I had somebody that submitted a 476A, and that is the uh, 30 cent uh, perf 10 um, Franklin head, the, the orange stamp. And um, there is uh, controversy as to whether this stamp exists. It's supposed to be... Uh, a single line watermarked, and there is a claim that there is a, a bunch exist um, that don't have a watermark, and so they designated it uh, 476A. And so um, the the issue is is that all of you know because of the new technologies, all of the previously certified 476As, um, when they get recertified, it they become 439s because the you can see a watermark. Um, and so this submission, it wasn't a, uh, it, it apparently was not previously certified. Uh, so a person thought they might have one. And after all, you know, PSE is a place where dreams can come true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I examined the stamp and, uh, it was indeed, uh, a 30 cent, uh, uh, orange Franklin. It was perf 10, uh, never hinged, um, some of the 476As have numerals written on the back, penciled in. This all, one didn't. All of them. Right. They this, have been prior certified. Right. This one didn't, but that's not that's not a uh, that's not something that um, you know because you can erase pencil marks, so that's not a, that's not a huge red flag. Um, but then I I put the stamp into the uh, into the video spectral comparator, uh, which is a machine where hope goes to die <laughs> and uh in the upper right corner uh there was indeed uh, a partial u and uh, and so it, it it became from a 476a it became a 439 so uh unfortunately for this submitter uh it's bad news but 476a if it exists and it could because we saw, or I saw, it, this this was quite a while ago. I had a two cent perf ten, and the top one had the watermarks centered just the right way, so that the stamp on the bottom, it was a pair of two stamps, the stamp on the bottom didn't show any watermark. So if you separated it, one would be unwatermarked, one would be watermarked. That's a printing variety. That's an EFO. This has a major Scott catalog. Um, you could have a 30 center that doesn't have a watermark. It is possible, but it's an EFO. It's not a printing variety. Well, isn't it uh, supposed to be on unwatermarked paper? Correct. And, and, it and it obviously was on watermarked paper. We're talking about the two cent stamp. Yeah. We're it's obviously on watermarked paper. It's just it's a, the watermark doesn't show on the stamp itself. Yeah, the single line watermark, there's a lot of space in between the letters. Yeah, it's not like the double line. Double yeah. line is like really clear and really close. Single line, they're much more spread apart. 
Yeah, and it's not always it's not always uh, obvious, especially on a, on a stamp that's orange or, or yellow. Um, you know, you 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 dip it in once and all, and and it doesn't show. Well, it, it's mint, so it has gum. Mm-hmm. It's an orange stamp, so it's hard to see the watermark. Right. And so what they're calling it now is, and I see this all over the place, it's the ghost watermark variety. <laughs> right. And people are sort of acknowledging that they these are watermarks. It's really super hard to see. And I would give it, you know, a number of years before it gets delisted. Like the clay paper? Just like the clay paper did. Mm-hmm. Good analogy. Yeah. Well, I will talk about a stamp that, in my opinion, shouldn't be listed and has created a huge controversy. And I get phone calls on these all the time. And this is a number 114, which is the 1869 three cent stamp with a train on it. And no water, or excuse me, no grill. It has no grill. And it's listed in the Scott's catalog, I think with a dash. You have a price for mint, no watermark, and a price for a dash under used, no watermark. So people... You mean no grill. I'm sorry. I keep, we were just speaking about watermark, so now I got watermark. Okay, got to tune my head here to get <laughs> watermark out of my head. No grill. How it was originally discovered is there is a special printing that didn't have grills. And so that stamp is a nicer shade of blue. And it's also a slightly different size. Yeah. It's a sharper image. Yeah, sharper image, nicer blue, tiny difference in the uh, size of the stamp. So you can identify it. That stamp was reissued without a grill. Well, people started looking for the normal ones. And... The Scott's catalog, if you read the notes, it'll burst any bubble you have. But mint stamps, and I think there's only a very small handful, mint stamps you can tell because the grill will leave marks on the gum. You remove the gum, you remove the grill marks. So mint, I yeah, fine. But the used one The only one that they certified used came on a cover. They removed it from the cover and confirmed that there was no grill on it. If you have a normal one in your collection and it doesn't have a grill, it means that it was soaked, the paper fibers flushed out, and the grill is now very hard to see or impossible to see. You may have removed the grill entirely. And so people write in and go, well, because I think the price is like $15,000. They go, oh, my God, I don't see a grill on the back of this stamp. Give me $15,000. And I say, how many would you like? Because <laughs> I can find a bunch of 114s and soak them long enough and the grill will disappear. It's a ghost grill. It's a ghost grill. <laughs> so that's one that I get called on fairly regularly. And I have to explain to people that the Scott's catalog, in my opinion, should not have listed that stamp. It should be 
something, but they shouldn't have the used one because, like I said, there's only one, and they note it on the bottom. Uh, they have a footnote on it. But nobody reads the footnote. And we get them sent into PSE. I don't see a grill. It must be worth $15,000. No, it just means it's been soaked. And if you soak it long enough, you'll be able to get in the grill, get rid of the grill if the grill is light enough. So that's what crossed my desk. It actually didn't cross my desk. It crossed my telephone line because I was called on it. And the person said, how much would it cost to certify? And I said, well, here, let me, let me burst your bubble and save you 35 bucks because <laughs> that's how much a cert costs. Uh, don't bother submitting it. Here's what's going on. And Jim, you have it. Why don't you read the footnote on the bottom? Well, I was just looking. It it does list um, gr the grill without grill original gum. Mm -hmm. That's that's the key. Now it does show that without. This is kind of misleading because it shows that it says without grill original gum, and then it gives a mint and a used. Yeah, price. Mm -mm. But down below, it talks about the uh, the footnote below the listing at one fourteen, does talk about the um, two examples used are recorded for number fourteen one fourteen A on normal paper, and two used examples on gray paper, and then it it goes on to explain how they did, which is basically what you did. They talk about how it was uh, lifted off the cover and so they on. hold on so they have four of them now they used to only have one two examples used in, on gray paper two examples used on regular paper and they're they have philatelic foundation certificates from 2015 now this is the 20 this is not a this is the 2018 catalog i happened to grab so it's a little out of date five years and it may have changed a little bit but yeah, the Philadelphia Foundation certificate as a single on an advertising covered lifted and hinged back into place in 2015. Hmm. So there's more than one. I, I remembered that there was just one. Yeah, and there, and there, but basically without original gum, you can't certify it without some real work because I don't know how you, you can press those grills out and, they do disappear. Well, the hitch, too, is let's say it had a light grill, and then they remove it from the cover. How do they remove it from the cover? They soak it off. Yeah. So now they soaked the stamp. They did their thing to the paper fibers. You had a very, very light grill, and, when and you now you can't see it at all because you soaked the stamp. Well, and when you soak it off, what do you, how do you dry it? You put it under three, yeah, that too. Three Bible dictionaries, and mm -hmm. uh, put some um, paper on it and press it. Yeah, so, it, this is, this is a stamp that you know they opened a can of worms that they are not going to be able to close again. And along with four seventy six A, I just do not believe. I, I be totally believe that the stamp exists. Some lazy postal clerk, you know, said. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put, instead of putting one sheet, and this happened with uh, the regular grills, too. You know, you're supposed to grill them one sheet at a time. And when they get to the banknotes, they're putting in three, four, five sheets at a time. 
So the one on the top, the one on the bottom, they get really good grills. The one in the middle gets a really, really light grill. They figure that of the Continentals, there are a huge number of grilled Continentals that just don't show the grill because it wasn't impressed enough. You know, it, it could easily go in that spot, but it doesn't exist. I think we've certified on the banknote, uh, certified H grills where you can see maybe one row yep. or a half of two rows or something of the grill. And uh, Scott Catalog even mentioned that that's the case. And if that's the case, then it automatically is an H grill and not an I grill yeah. just because there's not enough to identify it. So they recognize that that happened in that issue too. And a lot of them we see are not mint with original gum. They're used, and they, so then they have the same problem that you're talking about with the 114A. Yep. What about you, Don? What crossed your desk today? Okay, it's a visual, which is you know great for a podcast, right? But I'm going to show the panel. <laughs> Hold it up to the microphone, though, so they can show it, too. Right. Okay. It's my favorite stamp now. Uh, yeah, that looks like a commie stamp. Yep. Yeah, it's a little it's a bit of propaganda there, because I don't know if any women's battalions that wear ballet shoes when they shoot. Yes. That would be difficult. Oh, it, <laughs> it's a stamp designed from China, right? Yes, it, yes It's it actually is. got the uh, print number on the bottom. You, you should be able to read the number on the bottom. So how would you describe that stamp for those? Oh, no, this is pre. This is, uh, this is Mao. But, yeah, it doesn't have a number on the bottom. But there's uh, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine girls aiming rifles, standing on their tiptoes with their other legs sticking straight out. Yeah, wearing ballet shoes. Yeah, That's fabulous. Ba ballet shoes. I was going to say, how would you describe that? Unrealistic. Yeah, because I'm just picturing, I mean, just even the slightest recoil, you're going to be flat on your can. <laughs> well, I think that's a ballet dance with props that they're illustrating there. But the um, position that the ballerinas are in is very precarious, to say the least. Yes. Not yep. prepared to fire at all. Yeah. If, that, if the Chinese army invaded with those guys, we'd win. <laughs> Yeah, but then you have the old story. Yeah, but sure, you, you beat a bunch of girls. Congratulations, yeah, there, loser. Yeah. Hey, not anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> anymore. I think that hey. would make a suitable current year U.S. Army poster. <laughs> for recruiting. Oh, oh, oh. So you're, make, you're mocking the uh, design? Um, let's just say um, it screams propaganda. Yeah. And... Uh, Wow, that's unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> Just wow. But I could see that actually being a performance on stage with props. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, not intimidating to the opponent's armed forces, though. But there's other stamps like this, like they show a woman running with a man, and she's also wearing the ballet shoes, you know, but in it, it's like, okay. Because I guess that's how we do. We leap like gazelles, us females. Hmm. <laughs> on our toes, no less. Did it, did it come back counterfeit? Um, I don't know. It was sent out because you know it's China. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that those were faked. No. 
but I was very amused. You don't think Canada faked those stamps? Yeah, the Canadians didn't fake those Chinese stamps. Ah. However, we did get an order in of a lot of China, early China, and uh, here at PSE, we we have insurance. Everything is insured while it's on premises. All that stuff. And it was incredibly expensive, so I had to take a look at it to see if I had to call the insurance company for additional insurance. And so I took it out, and uh, actually, that's another stamp that I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Um, Turned out that out of the group, the 10 most expensive stamps, which added up to hundreds of thousands of dollars, they were all fake. Well, so I didn't end up having an insurance issue. Uh, The person who's going to get the certs back is not going to be happy, but I think, you know, whatever. But there is one item in there that was interesting, and it's a souvenir sheet. It's a blue and pink souvenir sheet, and I don't recall what the number is. Um, It was printed with a very chalky paper, and you cannot use stamp tongs on it. You will literally chip the stamp. So I put a big post-it note on it saying, do not use tongs, use your fingers. And uh, that's an interesting item. And I forget what the number is, but there is this one Chinese souvenir sheet with very chalky paper that if you use stamp tongs on it, you can literally chip off pieces of the design and make scratches and stuff like that. So... A very interesting thing there. That's something you need to know before you use your tongs, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't talk much about uh, PRC stamps because we we used to get quite a few of them. Um, Now we don't get so much. We get far more Canada now than we get China. Uh, PSE doesn't do the world. We do a lot of the world. But we don't do places that we don't have experts. And like a person called up and said today, I have a really, really super valuable Spanish stamp. And I said, we aren't the guys. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to send it over to Europe. And so he said, well, no, uh, can I send it to the PF? (laughs) They don't do foreign much at all. You can send it to the APS. And he said, well, you know, APS. So he's probably going to send it to the APS, and they can worry about it and try to find an expert. Well, I was going to say that we talk a lot about expertizing U.S. stamps, but most of the techniques that we talk about can be used for anything. Oh, we, we have, we do. <laughs> one of our experts is one of the leading experts on British Commonwealth cancels. I mean, we have the experts to do British Commonwealth. We have the experts to do Germany. Germany, we, we have access to the leading U.S. German expert that as soon as we started using them, everybody else started using them. Uh, we, we made him popular. There are some stamps, though, that we're going to return and say, hey, can't do it. Mexico is one of them. You know, but MEPSI is in, I think, Alhambra, California. So why would you send us Mexican stamps anyway? So, Jim, what crossed your desk? Well, um, I had a um, stamp cross, cross my desk that uh, was very interesting to me. 
for a good number of reasons. First of all, it's Scott number 17, which is the 12 cent uh, George Washington first issue. And um, the, the stamp catalogs used 250 and uh, with original gum 6200. Um, this one, um, I opened up the pack and I looked at it, and I first give a stamp a visual inspection, usually put a glass on it, look at the perforations, which this obviously didn't have perforations, but just kind of give it a general look over with a low-power microscope, or I'm sorry, uh, a magnifying glass to see if there's any blemishes or if there's toning on it or something like that. This appeared to be uh, pristine that way. In fact, I, I would have thought this was unused. So my next step is to take it out with a pair of tongs and dip it in fluid. And I usually do that as the second thing I do because that can reveal creases or little thins or something like that. And um, with rare exception, the second step after the perforation or the edge check is to do that. And when I did that, this thing just popped with a perfect frame inside the edges. <laughs> and I go, whoa. <laughs> This stamp had been, well, I don't, I don't know what the final decision was, but it had either been a shaved proof that had been added to and rebacked to make it look like a postage stamp, or it had had the margins added to an existing stamp in such a way. But the fact that it was like a picture frame, you know mm -hmm. how you have the inner frame, you have the outer frame, and then you have an inner frame with the uh, picture in the middle, and that's kind of what it looked like from the back in fluid. The interesting thing was we've talked an awful lot about the VSC. I brought it into the office and we looked at it in the VSC and although you could see it, it didn't pop like it did in fluid. So the whole moral of that story is if, the, if it had been an unused, um, even a no-gum, but uh, a no-gum, Either way, it would have been 10 times the catalog value in the um, uh, SMQ because of the scarcity of the wide margins. And we, we talk about going to stamp shows a lot. Is the, the problem is there's not enough light to really see stamps. And I think all of us at one time or another have bought a stamp, got it home, got it under the right light, and found a fault or found something that was that we didn't see before and if you run across if you're buying a stamp like that that is really pristine really looks good dip it do do that first before you buy it and you can do that at the table if you're buying it at a stamp show you can certainly do it upon receipt if you've mail ordered it or whatever but that that saved a lot of time in expertizing that stamp because if if I hadn't caught that, it hadn't done the the first the the uh, fluid first, then I would have spent time uh, determining other factors on the stamp. Yep. 
corollary to that story, a PS to that story, three packets down, there was another one exactly like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume that these packages had been broke broke into 20s and somebody had submitted a lot more than 20 because he had two of them. Well, that, there was a person who submitted a coil. And coils, there there is a particular person who will remain nameless who does a fantastic job. He's not, I don't even think he's alive anymore. But he did a fantastic job, and he put one over on us. Well, it wasn't him that submitted it. It was a dealer. And so then the dealer said, here you go. Here's 25 more or something. I, I got this big, huge strip or a part of a roll or something. I submitted one just to make sure so that I don't waste my time submitting the other ones. And when they submitted the rest, the telltale problem popped up immediately. And that's that when the stamps were run through the perforators, the perforations, they sort of move around. Because, you know, you, you can say it's perf 10, but, you know, they move around a bit. The perforations won't line up. Like if you, you look at the perforations on the top, this was a um, horizontally perforated stamp. So you look at the perforations on the top and, you know, you have half a hole, then all the way across. And then the last one is a quarter of a hole. Well, the one underneath it may have a whole hole and then all the way across to three quarters of a hole and et cetera. You know, it's not going to, well, they submitted 25 of these and it was a third of a hole, 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 all, all the way down. And so uh, when we got the multiples, then you we said, uh-oh, we made a mistake. So we refunded the first certificate, killed it, and said, we're very, very sorry. We know who made these. <laughs> they did a good job. Um, it is fake. But yeah, that's one that... Uh, you know, when they submit multiples, you sort of catch on. That This happened with fake cancels. Mm -hmm. There was a person who submitted a fake cancel. And uh, he submitted one. And, you know, it's like a wavy line cancel. They all look. But then he made a mistake and he submitted like five of them. And the earliest stamp was from 1927 and the last stamp was from 1954. And they all had the same wavy line cancel. And you go... They did not use this wavy line cancel for 30 years. So he showed his hand on that one. And then we went back and we canceled all his past certs and said, hey, <laughs> you're faking stamps on us. And uh, he, he, we kind of put him out of business. That one's still going around where people are complaining. But, you know, you can, you can fool us once. You might be able to fool us twice. But that third time, we're going to cancel every friggin' cert you got. <laughs> Cash and I were just talking the other day. I've got a certificate from 2002 or 2004. And he says, yeah, this just needs a new certificate. It's not that we don't think it's still a good stamp, but you just want to have the reassurance that it's been looked at under modern Oh, the technology, technology the yeah. technology today versus the technology 15 years ago. Okay, just 15 years. We are detecting a whole bunch more stuff. 
The second thing is crooks are smart and then dumb. And we always rely on that dumb part to catch them because if a crook did the perfect crime, let, let's take up the Grinnells. Okay. The Grinnells, uh, the, the supposedly fake Hawaii stamps. I believe they're fake. Albert believes they're fake. Everybody believes, you know, it, some people think they're real. Well, he made them, whoever made them, made them, and then stopped. If they had kept making them and flooded the market, everybody wouldn't be calling them Grinnells. They'd be saying, oh, yeah, those are the really, really good fakes. They're all over the place. Right. Um, but John Fox, we were talking about him today at lunch. He was making fake cancels. Well, he would make a cancel. He would cancel a stamp. Then he would take that canceling device and destroy it. In the beginning, nobody caught it. They go, wow, look at this. This is a cool cancel. Later on, they go, why is this guy getting all these unique cancels? You know, mm -hmm. something's going on here. You know, how, how does a person find a one in a million stamp every week? <laughs> exactly. And so he got caught, you know, just like that. There are crooks out there. They almost all get caught. Like I said, in the, um, from the standpoint of and anybody who wants to do the research, you can find the guy's name. Just go ahead and do a Google search on very good people who have fake coil stamps. His name will pop up. I'm not going to give it on the podcast, but feel free. Um, the crooks, they get away with it for a little while. Then they don't. Well, what happens is, uh, to most of them is that they get greedy. And you, when you are selling stuff like that, then you've got to have it. And you got to have more of it because you're spending that money. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of a disease. And I think there's a certain amount of ego that goes into that kind of work, too, where you kind of want to get caught so you can tell your story. <laughs> so well, you could be known as the great forger. You know? Well, if you go back and, you know, you're going to have to search like a hundred podcasts ago, but Albert Chang told the story about John Fox. And the reason that he started faking covers is he was running an auction company. He bought some stamps. They turned out to be very valuable after he bought them. So they turned out to be very valuable. Then the person came back and said, hey, you underpaid for these stamps. You ripped us off. You had knowledge. He goes, I didn't know. They happened to be something that who knows. So he, they took him to court, and they won. Yeah. And John Fox went heavy, heavy, heavy duty into debt. And at that point, you know, now we're just speculating. But he said, screw you guys. This sucks. I'm going to get myself out of debt. I'm here. Take these fake cancels. I'm an expert on cancels. I know how to do it. And so he made a bunch of cancels. He paid certified off his, them. He certified them. He, well, there was nothing to compare them to. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even if you would have put it in a VSC, all the telltale marks that we look for today where we can easily distinguish, you know, 
basically it's like a 1970-ish. Inks significantly changed in the 1970s. Well, he just used old ink. Yeah. And so uh, he got caught, but it took a while because, you know, the first one is like, wow, look at this. Second one is like, boy, you're lucky. Third one is like, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what garage sales are you going to? And then, you know, the 50th one is like, you're a crook. Something's wrong. Yep. So anything else? Happy collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silkcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.